listener, how are you out there in the world of crazy, eh? How have things been for you? Probably the same as they've been for us, which is a bit, you know, it's a bit white-knuckly, if I say so myself. Anyway, just if your life has been bad, it's about to get a lot worse, because we're here with another episode (laughs) of our podcast. So if you've never heard this uh, podcast before, well done. And if you have heard this podcast before, you'll know that I am Ferguson. I'm Harrington. I'm Hawks. And I'm Idoga. Yay! And welcome! Thanks for joining Miata Welcome, Miata. Welcome, Miata. Wow, actress, genius, money, maestro, all things wonderful. (laughs) Where are you calling from? Because normally, listener, I don't know if you know this. Like, here, come here, there's a secret. It's quite an international podcast because, right, Neil is in his cupboard under the stairs in the south of England. Isn't that right, Neil? Absolutely, 100%. Chesney is always somewhere, right? Sometimes it's the Caribbean, sometimes it's uh, Skegness. Sometimes, where are you now, Chesney? I- I'm in Wolf's Lair. <laughs> in LA, where frankly there are a lot of wolves. But Miata Edoga, where are you coming in from? I am coming in from Central America. I am in oh, wow. Panama. Panama. Yeah. yeah. I'm in Panama. I was in Panama City the other day, going, well, calling through um oh. part. yeah it's one of the routes that i go get to the caribbean uh via panama city <laughs> oh my goodness well if you ever you know actually leave the airport just let me know I'll come okay see you. it's a deal now i know you're there i'm definitely gonna do that <laughs> yeah. Isn't, don't you feel inter- international and mysterious right <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like a james bond movie yeah, but the one thing that disappoints me, Miata, is that, that as you're coming all the way from Panama, I feel you should be smoking a cigar. Right? That's the thing. Or wearing a big hat. A big hat. Should I, I get should a prop? A yeah. and, and from this point forward, I should do every interview with a Panama hat and a, and a cigar. And maybe like, a, 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 what do they drink here? Like a brandy? No, rum? I think it would rum, be rum. Some kind of rum punch of some oh, sort. Yeah. You know what? They drink rum in my house as well. Well, not in my house. Specifically me. I specifically. So maybe I should come visit Arr. you so that I can drink rum. I'm Don't loving all this international stuff because it just makes my dull and boring life feel so exciting, you know? I looked at the fact that we've got guests in Panama and Ches is talking about, yeah, well, I'm passing on the way to the Caribbean. I, I might pop in. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, people have exciting lives. That's nice. It's you just the same life, week. but in different locations, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you yeah. think? Don't I'm you think, Miata? Because we I'm know each other from here, LA. right? From yeah, LA. yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like the pandemic, at least for me, the yeah. pandemic was really what opened up the world in a sense, which is kind of crazy, right? Because it really shut it us down. Off yeah. It yeah. closed off everything. It closed off off everything, but it also was what had us say, or my husband, he came. I was about to say he came home, but what I mean is, you know, he came from that corner of the bedroom to the other corner of the bedroom, because this was during the pandemic. And he said, uh, why don't we go somewhere? And I was like, what are you talking about? And, you know, he was like, we're all sitting in the house, all of us working in this house in West Hollywood. And why don't we go somewhere? And that was what led to Panama. And now two years later, I'm like, oh, I'm not coming back. 
Oh wow! <laughs> oh, so you wow, just that, you just oh. upsticked uh, uh, from Los Angeles and, and moved when? to Panama during the pandemic, right in the middle we, of the pandemic. Well, it was towards yes, it was. We made the decision <laughs> on September first, twenty twenty, and we moved on January twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, and wow. so we've been here now just exactly two years. Yeah. Wow, that is you quite know, the move. <laughs> it's something that is so exciting about you or wonderful about you, right? Because one of the things that we're going to talk about today or what you're like an expert in is how to deal with money and how to deal with your money. Um, and for most people, I think they think of that as being somebody who doesn't really have adventures, who's quite measured, who, yeah, doesn't, yeah. who certainly doesn't pick up and move to Panama yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic. But also, like, sometimes you're one of the most extreme people I know in a way, because when I meet you, I remember meeting you just by chance down in LA, and uh, I said, how are you doing? You were like, well, I've been doing circus skills this weekend. I've been doing the trapeze. Wow. Um, but you're also, an adventurous soul by the sounds of it. Yeah, but also you and Adam, your husband, got married after knowing each other precisely how long? Three months. Yeah. Three months. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> impetuous too. I know, but here's what's crazy, right? I, you would never have described me that way, ever. Like, I really was the kind of staid and measured and practical and thought things through. But when it comes to the most sort of life-changing decisions, hmm. marrying my husband now 25 years ago, moving to Panama, they were decisions that were made unbelievably quickly, and we just went for it. And I think the thing for me was in both cases... And people might get upset at this, but in both cases, I told myself, it, if it doesn't work, it's okay, right? Yeah. Mm. And so, because my husband, it was a whole green card thing, and I loved him. I knew I loved him, but mm. I also knew I'd known him for three months. <laughs> and that, you know, like things, things can change. But best decision I made ever. And with Panama, we said, all right, let's go for 18 months. It'll be an 18-month, you know, adventure. And then we'll come back to L.A. And I think that was also what allowed me to do it. If you'd said, oh, you're making a life move, <laughs> I might have been like, oh, hold on. Let's, let's mm. take a breath, Right. But 18 months, it was like, yeah, let's do it. And then when we were here, the way that it has changed our lives, now I'm, I'm just so happy that we took that chance. Mm. It's uh, fascinating wow. too, though, because uh, for people who are just listening uh, to this, they'll only hear you, Miata, as American. <laughs> and they'll know that uh, Adam, well, they don't know that Adam, if you'd met Adam, you would know that Adam was English. So mm. it's not only like from different continents, but also uh, Adam is white. And yeah. uh, whenever I talk to you, you're one of these people who makes me understand the world from a perspective that I had never even considered, right? I'd never even considered. And one of the things that you said about Panama that was so relaxing was that as a black woman, you could go into a store and nobody would follow you or check yeah. that you were trying to steal anything. Yeah. And I was like, 
Wow. Whoa. Yeah. I had no... Because co- <laughs> also, you are one of the most sophisticated people that I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would figure yeah, that elegant. if some people yeah. follow you, follow you they'd be to ask you where you got your handbag or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> that, like, yeah. Price. So the fact that you said that was like so... It, it made me really think about how little I understand about uh, race and colour and racism and prejudice and everything. Yes, I I really never enjoyed shopping growing up. As an adult, I never enjoyed shopping. And I, I realised older in my life, it really was because any you just I always was aware of being watched very Mm. carefully and now what I also have to say is you know I have two children one is off at university in in Scotland but my other one is 15 and is here in Panama and he's a boy Mm. and for me as a black mother raising a black son I just can't do that in the United States right now and Mm. the freedom that I feel the fact that he's he goes out with his friends on the weekend and and I'm not scared about I'm not scared about them getting in trouble with the police yeah, or sure. anything like that and well, and that yeah. is just something that is terrifying in the states especially as your children get older. So yeah, all of those things and it's also a beautiful country and yeah. beautiful people and yeah, all of that. Hey, your your daughter is studying in Scotland, did you say? She's with your daughter. <laughs> of course. <laughs> really? We're into that. Yeah. They're they're both at St Andrews. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah. See, now look guys, I'm over the place. Small I'm, world. I'm sorry to be uh a schoolmaster I'm looking at the clock and I think we need to get into structure don't you oh we do particularly because we have a structure for our podcast Chesney tell me Arta tell me Arta and remind the guests what our structure is okay um, for those of you that haven't listened to our lovely podcast we do have a little structure Um, we have our fabulous guest which is you this week Miata um, give us um, a quote that they live their life by or, or at least have some kind of emotional connection to and, uh, and then we talk about that for a little while. Um, then Lynn has a little bit of magic, um, which I'm sure you have experienced in the past. In fact, I know oh, you yeah. have, because <laughs> I've experienced <laughs> it with you. Um, and um, we'll talk about that for a little bit. And, and then we'll have a little musical interlude where I uh, have uh, recorded a, a version of your favorite song. And, uh, and then we'll talk about that as well. So that is basically the structure. And, and Neil, Neil just is there to facilitate in whatever way that you could possibly. I'm just here to look pretty. That is. I'm taking over. I'm taking over from Ches because I need something, <laughs> and he's got the talent. So I'm going to go with pretty because it's what what came to mind. So we are. To, we're going to start off with with your quote, and I'll just tee this. Uh, tee this up for you and, and then we'll come to you because obviously it's fascinating this bit it tells us so much about the, the personality of, uh, of guests and, uh, coming on the show and where their heads are at so you chose a quote from Viktor Frankl yes. and uh, just as a, a little reminder for anyone that's listening uh, Viktor Frankl Austrian psychiatrist and Miata's quote is from Viktor Frankl's memoirs entitled A Man's Search for Meaning 
which was a meditation on what the gruesome experience of Auschwitz taught him about the primary purpose for life, which is, in fact, which is the quest for meaning. So, Miata, your quote, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. So, yeah, Viktor Frankl. That's, uh, we, we need a three-hour podcast for you to get into that. <laughs> so over to you as to why you chose that uh, as your quote and how that comes from inside you and the little gems you have about why you've given us that. Yeah, I think for me, it is just the most powerful reminder of how I strive to live my life. Mm obviously far 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 <laughs> from anything close to perfect um lee um but it is that i think as i've gotten older what i've really understood is that pretty much everything is ultimately out of our control mm. there mm. is Nothing. I mean, there's, and I'm, I always have been a very a type A kind of controlling personality, right? If I say I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E, and I'll get there. And it's understanding that none of that is within our control. But what we can control is who we're being. We mm. can control how mm. we're showing up how we're responding, how we're choosing to uh, take advantage of whatever the pocket of time is that we yeah. get to be on this planet. So I just am so grateful for people like Viktor Frankl who took extreme suffering and still made meaning out of it yeah, because it yeah. reminds me that well then i can i i have to strive to do something with the struggles that come my way yeah. that's amazing i do yeah. think as well like you talked about the pandemic earlier on and one of the things from the pandemic is I think it finally shattered that kind of pretense that we're all meant to have. Yeah. That, like, because pre-pandemic we could wander about going, "No, oh, no, my life's marvelous. No, no, bad <laughs> things never happen to me." And then you're like, "Oh, global pandemic, right?" <laughs> no, actually, I'm. A, I have shit too. It's funny. Mine is some. The thing with perspective is that, like, some days where if it's a particularly rough day. Um, the thing that I say to myself is the most that you can achieve today is to do no harm to yourself or others. And sometimes that just means shutting up, you know, because it's like I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I'm afraid or whatever and I want to hand it to someone. And mm. that actually taking that attitude of uh, taking the perspective, it's the last part of dignity, I guess. Yeah. People, <laughs> I've lost everything, I'm a complete arse, my life is a failure, but at least I'll have dignity in not making anyone suffer for it. <laughs> Are those yeah, the days you'd stay in that. your duvet? <laughs> stay under your duvet <laughs> those days. <laughs> like, well, it, but if you could, I, I, do, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like after... Um, 
the pandemic, not even just the pandemic, because it was crazy before that, but the, there are, the world is kind of rocky. So some days you might find yourself in a, in a place, sometimes only for an hour, right? You're like fine for an hour and then something happens and then you're like, holy shit, now I'm in no man's land. This is not a good place. Mm. I, I, I sort of feel like pre-pandemic, it was an idea that you could go to your bed for the day and hide under the duvet, but right. now quite often you have to get shit done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and still be yes, annoyed. It's, 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 you, you have know. to kind. Of, we've all had to kind of like reevaluate that, haven't we? Because because we've had we had oh, the, yeah. that year and a half, two years of of being able to just really get off the train and 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 well, for certainly for someone like me who was touring all the time, and and mm. uh, I really liked the the tranquility of of lockdown. You know, I got to spend time with my wife and my kids and. And uh, just be alone in my own thoughts, which I, I kind of liked. And so now that the world has kind of got back to to almost getting back to normal, and I'm you know getting out in the world again, I'm like I'm not sure I want to get out in the world, you know. <laughs> totally. I guess I met you uh, at the Actors Fund. Uh, you were doing uh, money money management or advice for the creative artist. It was about how to help creative people manage their finances. And uh, the thing that I loved about what you'd said from the beginning of it was that the big lie told is that people who are truly creative must be broke. But actually... <laughs> If you really are an artist, you should expect to not be able to pay your bills and live above an attic and yeah. you know all that stuff. And then that was a big lie. Tell us about how you got to there, because that's fascinating, I think. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, um, the, the brief version of the story is that I, I am also an actor, and I, I didn't learn anything about money. Um, and I was fed all the stories that I think so many of us are fed, that it's about just being willing to struggle and to work suffer for your art. and to suffer, <laughs> right? And, and I could do that. Like, I was yeah. like, I can suffer. <laughs> just watch me. Were you me. good at that? You, you're right? really yeah. good at that. <laughs> really good at that. And so that's, you know, precisely what I did. And I suffered my way into about $80,000 worth of credit card debt. Mm. And just some really terrifying um, moments of feeling like none of what I thought I was going to be able to do just by force of will and working hard was working. And... um, that I was really going to have to quit and, you know, probably go back home and live with my parents, all a very terrifying proposition. Get a proper job. Yeah, 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 right? (laughs) Get a proper job. Get a Um, real job. (laughs) And I I really, it, it was at that moment that it was like either quit or figure it out, right? Or figure it out. And Mm. so it led me on a journey of really trying to learn and understand money. And what I came to realize was that the information was out there, but the information was absolutely not for what I now call non-traditional earners. It was not for us as artists. Mm. Like, 
it actually doesn't even matter whether you're an artist who's earning lots of money you mm. still go and try and get a mortgage That's and impossible. what yeah. they are going to put you through and so all of the systems the 401ks mm -hmm. the pension plans the benefits just because you show up to your job yeah. the regular paycheck every two weeks the tax structure all of it Mm. is created for traditional earners. And yep. that's the same with all the books and all the wisdom. And so I started trying to apply, to figure out, okay, but how do I have to change this? How do I have to look at this idea, pay yourself first, right? As an artist, how mm. does that actually work for us? And it, it started just almost 18 years ago in a month. Um, Abundance Bound will be 18 years old, which I'm wow. just so, I can't even believe. <laughs> wow. um, but, but it started with just me saying, okay, I think I figured out some stuff and this is helping me. So let me have a little workshop and, you know, two people would come and I'd have my little workshop. And, um, and it really became a passion of mine because I believe if I had been taught this, of course I would have made mistakes, of course I would have, but I would not have made every mistake. And you, we can't even call them mistakes because it is information that we're simply not given. Yeah, and so have that I, at the beginning. We, we just don't have it. And frankly, we don't have it at any point. No. And, and it's shocking when you become aware of it, of the way that the, that the structures are in finance yes. with non-traditional earners. I mean, obviously, yeah. I can relate to this completely mm. not being able to get you know, mortgages because you can't show three years of, of tax returns and I mean, all that shit. I mean, it's 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 a minefield out there for people like us. It is. And I just became really passionate that like we can change that, um, but it requires a conversation and it requires the actual recognition that there's a whole significant <laughs> portion of our population that actually the good that artists and creatives create in our world, like cannot, we, we cannot argue that. And yet we do not support them with mm. um, good and accurate information. And so that became a huge part of, of, what, I, of what I do. And I love that. I love hearing success stories. People go, well, we just figured it out as we went along. And then you click your fingers and there you are, 18, 18 years later. I think that's awesome because we've all done it. And like you can plan so much, can't you? And, have I, and, it, and it never works out as, uh, as you expect it will. And sometimes, I mean, there's some planning involved, but just like rolling your sleeves up and getting involved from the beginning is just such a great way to do it. And yeah. like you say, 18 years Sounds later. Sounds like that's how she lives her life though, right? Miata. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grab the bull by the horns. <laughs> for there sure. is a thing about originally it was for, you know, actors and writers and stuff, but more and more the way that the economic climate has been, the, there isn't a steady job. Like there'll be mm. people listening less to this less who, so. yeah, yeah, and and equally those people have not been served either because what they were told was just turn up for work, and you know get your paycheck, mm. and you don't question, you just be a good person. What I really love about your work and and Abundance Bound particularly, is it made me realise how much shame 
is uh, connected with money. Like you talk to, and and it's fascinating because people would rather talk to you about their sex lives than their bank account. (laughs) They'd rather tell you about bad dates or shit that's gone wrong or biological things that are going crazy with their body than tell you about how much money they've got right now. And it's so shame based. So if you, I was going to say, see if you analyse that, it's it's just one thing that people seem to just judge others on so instantly, right? I think we judge ourselves actually mm-hmm. like i think we judge ourselves so harshly that we kind of assume we're also being judged right. yeah. and so yeah. it's just become this whole like uh, you know pyramid of people lying essentially right mm-hmm. whereas if if we were willing to just be real, which is one of the things that is a, a major just part of what we have sought to create, if we're willing to just be real, what we can understand is that we are so not alone, that <laughs> this is in fact the reality for so many people, and that the only way forward is by being willing to get clear on what's actually happening right mm-hmm. it seems like uh, a lot of the time with uh, with money and these kind of systems that we get kind of like shoved aside um as kind of like a niche market in the financial world you know so so you end up having to fi- have like find an insurance company that will that will cover you because yeah. you're not one of the you're not a normal general public yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know yeah. and the same the same with like a mortgage or something like that it's like well you have to find a specialist mortgage company that deals with people that don't earn um traditionally <laughs> but in in a nutshell kind of how how do you think um you know someone and that's coming into a business like like ours you know whether it's music or art or acting or whatever how do you how do you manage that that side of life um in a simple way and actually manage to to na- navigate through uh, that crazy um system oh my goodness it's a big question I mean, yeah it's such a big <laughs> question because i believe that what most sort of traditional people they simply take for granted yes that there is a community right the world essentially (laughs) that supports that path and so i do believe that you have to find a community that supports your path And that that really may be about your willingness to be real and have conversations with your peers who are also following non-traditional paths Mm -hmm. and identify the ones who are like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna be real. Okay, yeah, let's be real together, right? (laughs) Um, Because it. First of all, it is about not feeling like you're going this alone. Um, And then you can start to find the resources, start to find the the mortgage brokers <laughs> yeah, that support your life, right? right? That, so it becomes a community, I, I understand. It becomes yeah. a community, right. Because and otherwise, it, 
So I was going to say, sorry to interrupt, it, it must be a vicious circle because you've got this subject that people are too embarrassed or afraid to talk about, but and yet they've got to go out and find people to try and, you know, who, who are the same as them to try and gel with, to try and have a community. So, right. yeah. Financial struggle, certainly when it comes to the idea of the starving artist, it is a horrible perpetuating cycle. And yeah, it's a cycle true. that our society very purposefully, I believe, perpetuates. So yep, by not telling the truth, right, by not, w never, we don't have financial educations in schools, no. we definitely don't have where, whatever you go to study unless you're studying to be a doctor, a lawyer, or yeah. maybe like a banker or consultant yeah. of some kind, everyone just basically tells you, you know, work hard, take yeah. out those student loans. And it's, mm. it's going to be hard, but, but just, you know, you just put your all yeah. into it. The system and, will work, but it doesn't. And, right. it to, but the system doesn't actually yeah. And there work. lies the shame. And I think that what Lynn, what you spoke to is so true the world is shifting so Absolutely. that those quote unquote traditional paths, the things that maybe our parents mm -hmm. wished we had done. Yeah. Well, how many layoffs have we seen in those areas as well? So yeah. I believe that ultimately the financial world is going to have to shift. But yeah. I think it is a very slow-turning boat or ship, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's narrative, really, isn't it? This thing about, like, we, you know, when I think about money, I get rageful about the fact that, like, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, just so you know. But, <laughs> like, my kid, my youngest kid was asking me why I was not a fan of Elon Musk, right? And I said to him, if you had the power to end world hunger, would you? And he said, well, yeah. Uh, he said, would I be okay? And I said, yeah, you'd be okay. You'd still have money and you could end world hunger. Would you do it? He was like, yeah, to I'd totally do it. That makes the thing. And I said, and that is why I do not like Elon Musk. Because he has the power to end world hunger, but has chosen not to. So he has no, res I have no respect for him as a human. So do you, do you have no respect for for other billionaires that are in the same kind of position? I was or is it say, just what about him? the same? Yeah. Uh, for, well, it depends on the billionaire. For him, he promised to and then didn't. So, oh, uh, oh, I see. That's I where particularly that, oh, okay. don't like him because I feel like he's got all the money in the world, but he also must have the attention as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, I think that the problem with this super rich thing is it actually is addiction. But because we have such an attitude about money, we don't see it as addiction. Like, I think that Elon Musk is like a bulimic at an all-you-can-eat buffet, but people don't see him as being terribly ill. They see him as being terribly successful. And that, I think, comes down to that when we... Like, you see a thing right at the beginning of... Uh, your courses, which is how many people in this room were taught about money by their parents and mm. nobody puts their hand up because <clears throat> nobody got it. But like, so Elon Musk, for example, his fortune came from his family. It was already there, right? 
It's like music in your family was already there, Chesney, right? Mm -hmm. So that bothers me. But also I think that there is this lie. So like with my eldest son, he can't, he just hasn't been able to, he has now, but he, he was like, he wants to study, but he doesn't know what to study. And he's into doing college, but not into doing college. And so um, he's going to community college here, right? To, and he's been studying philosophy and English literature, and it's cost him something like $300, right? And he's doing brilliantly. Had he done that at um, one of the leading colleges here, it would have cost him $40,000, and he'd be oh. paying that off for the rest of his life, right? So the the idea that wealth does not, wealth and money is not, wealth and well-being thankfully he is at a place of learning right and i'm like grateful to it but i feel like we as a, a, a humankind has been so taught that rich people are smart and have integrity and we uh, if we don't have that much money are not as smart and we've probably done something wrong yeah. and it's it's a it's a lie it's not, yeah, yeah. you look at nurses working in hospitals in the NHS and you go, you want to talk integrity? Do you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it takes the time for the narrative to change, right? right? And teachers and yes, it's all absolutely true. And, and, and uh, there's, this is a conversation that would be just so huge, but the structure is also set up to be, it is inherently racist it's inherently mm -hmm. sexist, right? And so there really is, it's part of the reason why I feel financial education is so critical. Mm -hmm. Because Absolutely. I think it is only by actually empowering a much larger group of people yeah. that we yeah. can actually change the world because as long as it is controlled and where the control starts is with the knowledge that's where yeah. the control starts we think that the control has to do with the amount of money but it's actually the the knowledge so this is a tiny example but how i every day i meet clients who aren't aware that whatever savings they have, that they have sitting at, you know, Bank of America or Chase or Wells Fargo is making zero, zero money, nothing, <clears throat> right? But yet they, they think, oh, but I, I can't invest, right? Because if I, if I don't have enough information about investing, but it's like, oh no, wait, we're not even talking about investing. We're talking about knowing that if you just move it over to a high interest savings account at no cost, at mm. no risk yeah. still, right? You'd be actually earning money on your money. But, but, that's not them being unintelligent. That's the yeah. fact that no one taught us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, simple things. I mean, my, Chrissy, my wife, always talks about that and how, 
how I wish I wish I knew about compound interest interest from yeah. from an early age. You know, it's like yeah. it's little things like that. How to manage a, a household, um, you know, uh, finances. Just just how to how, whatever. Like to, to, I know checkbooks is not really <laughs> showing my age, but like you know those kind of things. Just <laughs> just to, how, how to read <laughs> the balance checkbook. Can you write them with a quill, <laughs> <laughs> and an abacus. I quill and an abacus. I still have checkbooks. I still have checkbooks. Oh, you I do have to I in America, actually. Yeah, they yeah. still do I'll tell you what, though. I will flip something on its head for you when you talk about the education of money from your family or whatever, because my dad was a bank manager. Whoa. So, uh, of course, but you know what I'm going to tell you, don't I? You know, parents telling kids all that. It just has the opposite effect. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. So, so, of course, it was it was worse than useless but it had the opposite effect <laughs> it's completely pointless you know yeah. I, I remember because we don't have, Karen and I don't have kids do we but I remember you said Lynn about distracting a, a child you, you, you can't say don't put your finger around that socket you have to say look over there but if it was taught at schools um, I mean it may be the same may, as well may, you know it might just be the same but at least the education is there and you at least yeah. would, would have heard of some of these phrases and some of these things yeah, yeah. and it, some of it may go in i don't know but it's it's hard that you have to you know learn it as a as a young adult uh, going into life without knowing any of this stuff and you'd have or any, after you've yeah. paid 20 pound 20 years worth of compound interest you could have accrued it <laughs> yes neil what you are speaking to yes it's very true which is why we have to um really actively work to shatter the shame around yeah. it mm. and to be having open conversations because yes our yes. children aren't necessarily going to listen to us the same way they don't listen to us about brushing their teeth or you mm. know any of those things but if we talk openly about mm. money if we yeah. share when we're making a purchase decision about, mm -hmm. you know, why or how or what the challenges what are of making that decision, yeah. like exactly, then we have at least opened the door to talk about what you know, what you don't know, what you could use some help with, <laughs> right? We open, we open that door and if they don't talk to us, they might talk to other people because the the door has been yeah open. it's almost a taboo subject in a way it's like it's yeah, like yeah, mental health would. or something it's like you know it's great that we're talking about mental health more openly and you know in the media and and also i i think it generally in in uh, in public you know and with families and things like that so money money should be talked about it should be an open subject because that will um erase the shame because mm. you know just because yeah. it's not talked about and we don't know anything about it it's almost like oh we don't talk about that <laughs> so yeah. don't talk about sex don't talk about mental health don't talk about money oh god no that's a very english thing that isn't it <laughs> yeah, totally there sure. is also that thing as well where um that people get into financial fear because they believe that they're powerless over how to change what is happening to them financially mm. Yeah. And that is through a lack of knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge as to how to change things, then that right there is going to cause your three o'clock in the morning shit, I'm going to be on the street with a shopping trolley thought. <laughs> <laughs>
anyway, Miata, we do this bit where it's my little bit of magic where I pull a rabbit out my butt. No, I don't. But <laughs> uh, we do a little bit of story here, you know, like a story exercise where I'll do a little read. And uh, so I am going to give you a subject and you're going to talk about it and I'm going to write it down and then I'll tell you what I hear. Right? Does that make sense? You know it. You've done oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There. What's my time? What's my time limit? Uh, two minutes. Two minutes. There okay, you go. Awesome. I've got a timer. Okay. Right. Don't prepare for this. Right. No, I know no, that I, you are a preparer. She's <laughs> writing notes what's already. What's my frame? What's my? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to tell me, lovely, about diamonds. Go. Oh, about diamonds. I don't actually know very much about diamonds, except for that they're extremely expensive. So my husband, actually, he, um, well, not, not really. His dad gave me a diamond ring as my wedding present, and it was his mother's. So it was Adam's father's mother, so Adam's grandmother's ring. And he gave it to uh, me the night before our wedding. And what was really funny was that, you know, we were broke, my husband and I. And so my uh, engagement ring had this, these two teeny, teeny little diamonds <laughs> and a sapphire in the middle. And I mean, it was just teeny, teeny. We went to the jewelry district downtown to get it. And our wedding band also has one, two, three, four, five teeny little, you have to magnifying glass. And then his father presented me with like this, like three big <laughs> diamonds. And, and I remember my husband being like, wow, I only feel shown up like a little bit. So, um, yeah, so I, I sort of had a sense that, wow, that, that ring, that, wow. But I don't know anything about diamonds. And I also know that they're very controversial because they come from where places where people do really bad things. So sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't even wear this ring. Um, you hear about how diamonds are created by friction, right? So there's probably another quote in there about how, you know, if we work, whatever, if we're willing to struggle and get through the tough stuff, therein lies the diamond. Um, diamond in the rough, I've heard that. Not even really sure. Oh, it's like someone who need, is in need of some polishing, maybe, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's about all. You know, it's it is though the very common engagement ring. There you go. There I go. Two oh, minutes. Well done. Well done. Wow. Outdone by your own father. I love. That. I, I know. That's funny. Do you know what's lovely as well is because the boys know what diamonds mean. So I'm like listening to them going, whoa, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when people talk about diamonds, they talk about value. It's what they value. And um, the, the, what is in this is that uh, obviously value your husband Adam. comes right up there. He's <laughs> yeah, like Adam. First thing. <laughs> yeah. But the inheritance of a family, that was the thing. Like mm. suddenly, like I'm guessing Adam's family are big and overwhelming and adorable and including and open arms and whatever. Like... Uh, you had as the this beginnings the love of the marriage right like the that the value of that and then suddenly oh wow not only that but I'm in this big family and they've gone whoa to me so uh, it's the you find in value in the family is that true 
Would yeah, you feel? they're British, you know, so that they don't quite do this. No, but, they're not cuddlers. They, no, they're not cuddlers, uh, but they <laughs> but they do these gestures that yeah. make you realize how you're being welcomed. Yes. Yeah, I'm included. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, then you went on to uh, the diamonds being controversial and should I wear them and whatever. Uh, that here it's about the values of of what you value, right? Like the diamonds you've been shown are like your husband and this family and being part of a bigger thing. But what your values are is um, that you question, you you like to make sure that you're being uh, uh, authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Like that uh, you um, want to do the right thing, you will question your own motives. And also uh, education, I've put here, is the value, which is the diamond was created by friction. So it's like to do with when you, uh, when you get yourself into trouble, the diamond is finding the way out of it, which comes back to the quote that Neil came up with at the beginning, which is that um, it's not that you love friction or trouble, but I think that when you're in trouble, you do go, oh, there's going to be a diamond at the end of this. I'm just going to, like, wait it out till I see what the mm. lovely diamond is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you go into a diamond in the rough, which is really about, it's it's a repeat of the thing that you wanted to say, which is there's friction here, but at the end of it, it's going to be lovely, right? And a diamond in the rough is even though you can't see it, there will be something beautiful in here. Mm. Does that make sense? Is that you? It does. Oh, thank you. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> you can't disagree, though. No, I'm good with you. Do. I don't. <laughs> I he don't. Wholeheartedly disagree. agrees. Yeah, uh, you see, I hear sometimes, you know, like when I do diamonds, I do go, I wonder uh, um, if you did that exercise with Elon Musk, what you'd say. Yeah. Right? You go, well, I just have them. My dad gave me them. Now I have them. Yeah. Sometimes I give them to other people. It's yeah. interesting so like, having been having been through and watched you do so many of these with our guests, yeah. and I don't know if you feel the same, uh, Neil. But like I, I, I actually sp particularly on this one, especially as I know Miata, um, mm. I I was thinking to myself, I'm going to see if I get the same yeah. read that that, Neil, that Lynn's going to say, <laughs> and it's pretty much exactly what I thought. You know, yeah. you can hear it. You know, it's like when you first started off. Yeah. You said you said my my husband, and then you said my husband's family, and I was like, oh, it's because she like wants to, she likes belonging to to a community, yeah. and yeah, and so all those, it, it's amazing. Uh, you know, just kind of uh, witnessing it and seeing and seeing it, and then it becomes kind of quite simple in a way, like you really mm. kind of yes. Yes, you're, yes, to compute it, it does, doesn't it? Basically, Miata, you're sitting here and we're pulling apart your personality. In a you know. fascinating way. I haven't yeah. even had my input yet. I haven't even <laughs> said what, uh -uh. you know. <laughs> no, I feel about narrative, though, the way that you feel about money, right? Because mm. I, I feel like people are telling you all the time who they are. They're telling mm. you all the time. And uh, what, what we do is try and persuade ourselves that that's not the case, you know? And I wonder if it's like, cause when we're very, it's like comes from a similar place, but very early on, like if you try and persuade a baby to like you, if the baby doesn't <laughs> like you, it's like, no, 
No, don't like you. Don't talk yeah. to me. I'm here with my mum. Don't even look Fuck at me. Right? Yeah. You do yeah. that, I'll bite you. Right? Like, no. <laughs> but then we say to the baby, no, they're a nice person. This is a good thing. This is a blah, blah, blah. And we take away all the instinct. Um, and I think that when you can hear, when you start to tune into what people are saying to you rather than what they look like when they're saying it, then there's much more information in there. It's, mm. well, it's one of the things I love so much about your work, Miata, because I think it is both creative and practical at the same time. Mm. And the, um, one of the things that I, I loved so much about it was that uh, I had never before heard anyone talk about money in terms of um, that it's connected to not the soul per se, but it's it's really so connected to a person's belief about themselves. Mm. Yeah. Do I deserve it? Am I meant to be poor? Are other people better than me? Like it's so linked in. You have connections of it right through your life, though, don't you? Because I feel like I Total. because I had a quite a lot of money as a, a young man, and then it kind of you know shit happened, shall we say? Um, I yeah. I, I now have you know have this kind of difficult or i have had um up until when i've kind of started to work it through a difficult relationship with money you know it's like almost money money almost uh equals like uh, loss or death even you know and uh, to me and and it's crazy because you say these things over and over in in your subconscious mind and money is bad money is bad you know it's like and that's where the energy um, is not good because it gets stuck. Bad energy, you get, yeah. yeah, and so you know, I like think of money in, in myself now as, as more of a flow. It come, it it comes in, and it goes yeah. out, and that's fine. It goes out, it comes in, and now when I write, um, when I uh, write my um, you know si- signature or something, you know, when I'm buying something anywhere, I always I always put money as love or or thank, th- you. thank you or you know mm-hmm. something gratitudinal and that, and that really helps with my kind of energy towards money leaving me if you see what I mean it's not yeah. leaving me it's it's just going on its journey and it's you know coming back it's like the blood money to me is like the blood of of the world you know it just mm. flows I'd love to just speak to that just for a second of course. yes i i feel very very strongly that money is a relationship that we all have. And we have the relationship from when we're born until the day we leave this earth. And we don't have a choice. Mm. You don't. you, You will have a relationship with money. And so the way that I see it is that like any relationship, it is going to lie somewhere on the spectrum of from a negative, toxic relationship to a healthy, thriving relationship. Mm. But the mistake we make is in believing that the quality of the relationship is connected to how much we have. (laughs) And that is actually not true. So there are plenty of people with lots of money who do not have a healthy, happy, peaceful relationship with money. And likewise, there are people with very little who Mm. have a very healthy, thriving relationship. Mm. And so what we need to work on is the relationship. And if we work on the relationship, the other things will follow. And so we... At, at Abundance Bound, we say, 
you will be working on your mindset you'll be working on your management the practical what do i need to do mm-hmm. and you'll be working on making more you'll be working on strengthening those earning muscles but if you ask me which of the three is the foundation for all of it it's the mindset it mm-hmm. is how am i going to be it comes back to the quote for me in mm. this relationship regardless of what is happening around me how will i show up to the relationship mm. yes oh, i love that so this is fascinating I, I, i'm looking at the clock and, I, and we're yeah. kind of running out of time because i wanted to touch on consumerism with you as well yeah. actually miata because it's I, I see it as such a terrible drug in a way that we've all been um kind of uh, just subjected to for so many years um yeah. uh, can, can we get a quick word from you about that because yeah. i think it's so dangerous in a way it absolutely people. i i the simplest way that i view this is i think that we are either going to walk through the world as consumers or we're going to walk through the world as creators right and i think that you there there is always going to be some consuming that's a part of sort yes, of living of in society but yeah. if we realize that we are coming from one or the other of those frameworks mm. and we decide to be people who are actually adding to the world mm. not just taking from it not just buying and what's the next thing and you know what am i watching and what am i listening to and and all the purchases but we actually focus more orient ourselves more towards what am i putting into the mix that is yeah. hopefully lifting society so when lin talks about elon musk i think that the issue is that he has largely been fueled by consuming mm. and, and getting others to consume yeah. and versus people who take their wealth and abundance and say i will add how do i oh, add and we can yeah. all do that with uh, whatever pennies we have we can be creators so mm, yeah. that's what i would say about that yeah god i really love I get to hear the song. You do. <laughs> this is our little gift to you, Miata. Uh, now we ask our guests to choose their favorite song or a song that they have an emotional connection to. You chose Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is such an incredible song and had, so many people have such like connections to this. What's yours? It just is i think for me it was my earlier younger little girl version of this quote it was that you know when things feel bad uh-huh. and things are tough that mm. you know over the rainbow like skies are blue so i i i didn't obviously know where i was going in my life's journey but for me as a child it gave me such a hopefulness and i still love singing that song today so i can't wait to hear <laughs> i'd love to hear you singing it but uh, for, for now you're going to you're going to have to listen <laughs> yeah, to me singing it yeah here we go <laughs> 
Here we go, Miyata. And I found out today that it was uh, written by Yip Harburg, which was not something I knew. So uh, there you go. Yip Harburg wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but especially for you, Miyata, here is Chesney Hawks performing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Enjoy.
just for you, Miata. You made me cry, Rainbow. That's beautiful. You made me cry. What? So beautiful. What? So you did. Did I really? My cold black heart here, my dark old heart was like. Oh my goodness. That was brilliant. Wow. Look at that. I made made Miss Ferguson shed a tear. You're such a good singer, though. Like, we we did a podcast the other day, and the guest said that what he loved about Chesney's voice is it sounded honest. Like, he was telling the truth. And like purity of totally, yeah, yeah, it does. So totally does. Oh, we say every time, Miata, that we we feel that one of our little special gifts is we get to watch the guest's face listening to Chesney perform it. I've got some snaps here. I'll send them to you because your your (laughs) face—it was so beautiful. Almost watching your face almost moved me to tears because it was so beautiful. (laughs) And I I just—I don't usually do it, but I just hit the grab and I just. I snap them. I won't do anything with them. I'll send Are them you to you. Tearful, Are I'm you tearful, Neil? I'm not. I'm not tearful. It was. That was just a beautiful moment. It, it was. <laughs> it was so lovely. It, it really, really was. Um, yeah. yeah, and we yeah. could tell just by watching you, Miata. It was lovely. Thank you. Do you know? Normally here we do a thing where I ask a question, but actually I'm going to, uh, with with your permission, gentlemen, uh, I want to go in a slightly different direction. I think. Which is, um, I, I, I personally found this podcast for us really informative. I, like, I feel like I thought about stuff in a way that I haven't thought about and all that kind of thing. And, and we got onto subjects that we kind of brushed into and then brushed out because there's so many things to talk mm. about. Mm. I would like to raise in this podcast that I would love for the listeners to uh, write in questions. Um, and ask Miata to come back and yeah. uh, we will discuss those questions like, oh that would be awesome yeah, but th- how yeah. Do you feel about that? Miata how do you feel about that I know I can bully you into it I just like be making you go go on forget Chesney to sing <laughs> I was going to say what, would I get another song I mean I'm just trying to <laughs> get the parameters yeah. here oh you're pushing Miata. it now Miata you're pushing it now <laughs> <laughs> of the if agreement, you, but no. If you could ask him to sing White Lines, the full the full rap, right, the full 14-minute version, right? I haven't we, had a, we want I to haven't put him had a rap that. song yet. That's a, Go on, Mia. That's it. true. It's a fir- that would be a first. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that uh, might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> fun would be one word that you could use. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really nice idea, though, Lynn, yeah. uh, that, that you just said, that that'd be great, so we can get the listeners to, so, to write But we only have one listener, questions. though, so... Um, well, there will be one question. <laughs> well, perhaps our listener would have a few questions for you. The listener yeah. had different stages of their life, so maybe they've got different yeah. questions from the different stages. Yeah, yeah. right. So, oh, it's been a total joy, as always, to talk with you. You know, the, yeah. you're the kind of person that whenever I talk to you, I leave feeling smarter than yeah, I did before the absolutely. conversation. Like, yeah. I end up thinking about stuff that I never even considered before. Yeah, uh, and the other thing, there was the other one that stays in my mind, too, is that uh, um, you talked about trying to work out what money you spend during the day, just work out what your daily spending is. And I remember going, oh! I can't do that. And no, that's she, scary. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, Miata said this thing and I was like, yeah. And she said, actually, you don't spend much during the day. 
unless you're like compulsively running in and out of Starbucks going give me another one give me another one yeah. mm-hmm. like the receipts that you've got for the day are probably like you know bag of five potato. tops probably <laughs> like yeah. five on an, on an average on an average day so yeah. you're talking about just stuff that you go that you spend on on the, on the day not not like you know adding up what you you know percentage of a mortgage or percentage or of gas yeah. Get, yeah. or whatever yeah yeah so first of all like non-traditional earners d- percentages don't work percentages no. don't work and they just make you feel bad so there are no correct percentages out there but yes we we will ultimately want to know because if you fill your car with gas today that then we would look and see you probably fill your car with gas three times over the course of the month and then we can start to determine an average yeah, sure. of what you're spending I see. on things so it is and everything it's just, yeah. yeah it's everything but it's honestly about figuring out okay this is where i am right now what i always say guys is if i could I would have Lynn track Chesney's spending and Chesney track Lynn's, right? Oh, right, I got because you. Yeah, yeah. That would that'd be fun, right? That'd be true. That'd be what? real. That right? would actually and, be real. And Chesney, you'd be like, ooh, I want to see what Lynn's up to. And Lynn, you'd be like, ooh, let's see what Chesney's doing. I mean, it's, all, it's all shoes for me. It would be fun, right? It would be fun. So we need to take that that kind of fun. And I say to myself, let's see what Miata's been doing. Let's just see, right? right? And I just approach it that way. You see, that's how uh, we could talk easily for another hour. So, Mm -hmm. uh, lovely listener, if you've got questions that you would like to ask uh, or learn about money or just generally life, uh, connect with us because Miata will be coming back, whether she likes to or not, <laughs> yeah. or not. Uh, to answer your questions. But we do have to go now, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it is time to sign off. But we will be back again very soon to your ears. Um, and until the next time, I have been Ferguson. I've been Harrington. And I've been Hawks. And I am still Edoga. Yeah. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you, you are. Miata That's lovely. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ferguson Harrington Hawks with Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. Written and produced for Source Productions by, surprise, surprise, Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. 